Welcome to Clueston, where every other Tuesday is Clues Day, and we tell you about a crime that happened near where we live, in the best city in the world, Houston. I'm your host, Kat, and he's my pirouetting poodle, Charles. No. No? Negative. (laughs) So what are you? Your exasperated escort. Escort? Like, prostitute? (laughs) First of all, let's not diminish sex workers. Okay, oh, I'm Secondly, sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize if any sex workers are listening and got offended by that. I did not mean that the way that it sounded. I was just playing. Don't get all in your feelings. <laughs> what is your new nickname? Exasperated Escort. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm your host, Kat, and he's my exacer- exacerbated. Exas- no. <laughs> he's my exaggerate. No, what was it? Exacerbated. Now you Yeah, no, I think with- I said that and the that's first what time. You said, an exaggerate. No, exasperated, as in you're exasperated. <laughs> My exasperated escort, Charles. There you go. You want me to explain or you want me to save it for later? Save it for later. Our friends at Nacho Nachos would like to take this time not to advertise to you, but to encourage you and to thank you. A message from them. We always say that every nacho matters because every person matters. And that rings true now more than ever. It has been our honor to be in the food business because food is comforting and it is unifying. Whether you are cooking or consuming, it brings joy in times like these. We hope that you find joy, even if just a little, today and every day. To all of our guests that we have had the privilege to serve through this crisis, we sincerely thank you for helping us to stay in business and to feed our families. We look forward to breaking bread with all of you very soon. Sincerely, all of us at Nacho Nachos. For more information on Nacho Nachos, visit nachonachos.com or Nacho Nachos HTX on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You know, for the record, I would agree with Chris that every nacho matters, especially when I order delicious nachos with squeezed out <laughs> guac and sour cream. We had to go look for cheese. squeezed out sour cream to have it at I home did. after I, you saw it. <laughs> I have squeeze bottle sour cream. It's a game changer, honestly. It's a game changer. But more importantly, every nacho matters when you order the perfect nachos and then someone, I'm not going to say who, tries to go with salad nacho crap. <laughs> And then wants to eat your last couple of nachos. No, that's I not how it works. I never ate your last that, nachos. No, that's not how it works. Every nacho matters. They're my nachos. That's just, that's all I'm saying. Okay. You're saying the nachos? You know the joke. Did you just say, these are my nachos, they're nachos? I think you said that. You know, I am exacerbated and exasperated. And you are exaggerated. What are the difference between those two words, by the way? When you exacerbate something, you make, make something it worse. worse. Okay. okay. That's what I thought you were saying. When you're exasperated, you are tired you're of like, someone's crap. You're sick of the crap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So last and I'm going to explain. <laughs> so last episode, we talked about Father's Day gifts. We said that I, we were going to get you gifts and then talk about if you like them or not. So. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will seed them accordingly. First of all, I think this is our, wrong. Our to, oldest, I never said to rank our them. Our oldest killed the game. Our oldest? Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> our youngest. He's just the tallest and the dearest to my heart. The nice, sweet That's one. That's so rude. That, hey, hey. If you can get a brand new thirty six thousand dollar car and then be rude to the person that bought it for you within hours, <laughs> man. You're referring to our daughter. I am. She's 25. I'm still buying her brand new cars. <laughs> and really, who wants a blue with orange trim, fast and furious looking Subaru Forester? It's a nice that, car. That is because she's on the West Coast. Okay. Anyhow, he gets me. So, so not only are you going, you're about to like 
crap on her gift she gave you, but you had to crap on her choice in no, car I, I put her, and her attitude I, and everything else. Oh. Meanwhile, she is president of her med school class. Okay, first of all. Which is a big deal. I'm not deal. crapping on her gift. It was a decent gift. It was a typical Father's Day gift. I will definitely use it. Okay. But Jonathan killed the game. Okay, so go ahead. Jonathan got me an authentic Kobe Bryant rookie year jersey. He changed his number, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an eight. And it was when he played with Shaq, I was a big fan, went to undergrad with Shaq, never been a Lakers fan, but I'm a huge Kobe Bryant. His skill on the court, just right. an amazing athlete. So, yes, he killed it. Spent okay. like 300 bucks. I would have never spent that money on myself. Okay. I apparently did, though, I guess, because I don't know if you didn't make him pay him back. I'm betting you he didn't. He paid for it. Oh, he actually paid yeah. for it? Oh, amazing. And then Madeline got me some cufflinks with some cacti on them mm-hmm. and a little green fuzz. I mean, they're cool cufflinks. I like cufflinks when I wear French cuffs to the courthouse. And then you got me a green screen that actually really worked. So all three gifts were good. John's okay. was just far better. Okay. So let me break down what you said about all three gifts. Mine, you said, oh, it doesn't fit. It's, it doesn't work. And immediately folded it back up to put it to return it. But I was like, oh, well, show me. Because I didn't believe you. And you know why? Because you were lying. It no, totally I, worked. I looked at the dimensions. You just looked in the dimensions and were like, it doesn't no, work. No, I almost ordered it. And I thought it would be Charles, too small. You totally did. told me it didn't work, and it totally does. It does work. It's a lot of work to get but it But your work, immediate but reaction good. was to return it. Well, I'd already bought a green screen that didn't work. Okay. But, but your immediate does. reaction was I'll to return it. I'll tell you why yours works, because it's got this, it's it's got, it bounces, it pops up like a pop-up tent or something. Right, so there's no and wrinkles it, or anything well, like that. Well, it's very tight. It's taut. So, but it's a circle, so I had to position it just right so when I'm doing television. But it works. Yeah, it's and nice. your immediate reaction was like to not it. even try it and to just say no. The lighting To just good. reject it. Okay. Number two, the cufflinks. Your first reaction was, I don't wear French cuff shirts anymore. Well, I do, just not as okay. often. But that was your first I bro- instinct. You know, honestly, because I broke all my cufflinks. Okay. But that was your first instinct. The jersey, the awesome $300 jersey. What did you say about it? I said it was too expensive. No. You said, yeah, it's nice. I'll wear it to the beach. That's why I wear jerseys. So, <laughs> when are we going to go to the beach? We have not been to the beach since Jamaica. And in Jamaica, all which I did, was like a year and a half. The ago. only thing I wore on the all week, I was wearing my Olajuwon jerseys. But this jersey would be cool under like if you wear a black t shirt under it, and you wear your zero chain. No, I don't do that. That's not. I'm a forty. But it would look cool guy. on you. No, I would look like a forty-eight-year-old white okay. guy trying too hard. Okay, but you're going to wait until you go to the beach. You're never going to wear the cufflinks, and you only did the green screen First off, in protest. I'm going to wear the cufflinks. I do have several. I have tons of French cuff shirts left. It's just during the pandemic, instead of doing the whole lawyer dress up with the boots and the slacks, I've been getting away with a lot of very nice tennis shoes, jeans, a sport coat, and a regular shirt, no tie. When I'm back to okay. going, having to dress all the way up like a lawyer. I'll be back on that. Okay, I'm just saying your first instinct was to not like them. That's not true. It is true. It's not. <laughs> okay, well, we we'll agree to a disagree. a lot of time. I know, I know, and I don't like doing this. Okay, <laughs> take that part out. No, you're exasperating. <laughs> okay. And I haven't even got to it yet. Okay, let's get to the episode. We're probably boring everybody. Today's episode is about Gail and Sheila Muse, and it's called Muse Clues. Oh, that's cute. You like it? I really struggled with coming up with a name for this one. Muse Clues. Mm -hmm. Our kids, they love the Blues Clues. They did. Was it it both of them or was it just Jonathan? 
I think it was, I know Madeline definitely liked it, but I think it was both. Well, I know Jonathan definitely liked it. Okay, well, we both know our kids definitely He was a big fan <laughs> of Steve. really born people. And then Steve left to go pursue a career in adult music, and guess what adult happened? Adult music? No, <laughs> not. Iron my You've got problems. No, to, what is like, adult to be music? a grown-up artist instead of making kids TV and kids songs. And it went nowhere. Sometimes you got to realize you got to grasp the ring. Well, that's what I think he was trying to do. He wasn't happy with being an internationally famous children's star. He mm. I don't know, it's kind of sad. Okay. On Thursday, May 7th, 2009, 37-year-old Donald Coffey along with his family and friends, went on a bouncy ride in two SUVs. A Jeep, and we're going to call the second vehicle a Tahoe, because that's what it was in the first article that I saw. Although I read one that said it was a Blazer and another a Ford. They drove through an area that is known as River Bottom, in the Westlake subdivision of Dayton, Texas. I think subdivision is being generous. (laughs) I agree. Down the rutted and potholed dirt roads to a levee that encircles a fishing lake near the Trinity River. Once there, they swam and took the kids off-roading in the Jeep. Wait, first of all, fishing lake means swamp, apparently. They swam in that? Yeah. What do you mean swamp? It was swampy and nasty. Well, we didn't the, get Clearly, there were the... alligators. We were riding... Right in there. Go ahead. Okay. And took the kids off-roading in the Jeep, which had 38-inch wheels. Are those big wheels? 38-inch tires, I imagine. And yes, very large. Wheels. No. If it was a 38-inch wheel itself, <laughs> it'd be one of those giant, like, Tonka truck, only in Atlanta do they drive those, and they don't, those are 30-inch. <laughs> okay, well, it said 30-inch, 38-inch well, wheels. 38-inch mudding tires, and that's a okay. lot of fun. None, there's nothing like getting in a couple of, you know, lift kit Jeep, and a, it's probably an old K5 Blazer with a lift kit, which is, you know, not the S10 Blazer that people are familiar with, but the big ones, and from the late 70s, probably a good time. So around 9 p.m., they decided to head back home. Donald was in the Jeep, along with his son, Donald Jr., his friend, 30-year-old Patrick Kamick, and Patrick's three-year-old son. The Tahoe was driven by Patrick's wife, Cindy Nelton. Donald's wife, Becky Coffey, was in the passenger seat, and Becky and Donald's daughter, Destiny, and an 11-year-old family friend named Cody were in the back seat. On the way, the Jeep stopped so that one or both of the children could relieve themselves on the roadside. They stopped in front of the wrong house. In the darkness, they heard a woman's voice yelling at them. Y'all need to get them effing vehicles off of my property. Followed immediately by a gunshot blast. The Tahoe was the first hit, blowing out one of the windows. Cindy, who never saw the shooter, said that she stomped on the gas and screamed, We've got kids in this vehicle. Y'all need to stop shooting. A second shot came in reply, so she sped to the safety of a nearby bridge. Becky opened the door of the Tahoe to get out, and when she did, the overhead light came on, and she could see that her five-year-old daughter, Destiny, was covered in blood in the back seat. Oh, my God. Yeah. She screamed, Mama, they shot me. Mommy, they shot me. Cindy rushed Destiny to the nearby Westlake Fire Station, while Becky frantically searched for the others on foot. Three of them had been hit as well. Fire Chief Laura Cowan said it was chaos. We had four ambulances and two lifelight helicopters involved. She said that residents go to the levee frequently to four, to ride four-wheelers and that one of her sons was actually supposed to ride with the coffees that day but had to decline because of a Boy Scout event. It was senseless. It was really impacting our community. People are very angry that it happened, she said. 
Yeah, we saw a number of people going out to go four-wheeling down there when we went. Right. I mean, it just seems like something you would totally do there. The victims were lifelighted to Memorial Hermann Hospital. Donald Sr. and Destiny were treated for pellet wounds and released. But Patrick, who was wounded in the neck, was critical. And seven-year-old Donald Jr., who had been struck in the face, was on life support. The next day, homeowners Sheila and Gail Muse, both 45, were arrested and charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And looking at their mugshots, it's hard to believe that they were 45 at the time. They look rough. Can I see them? Yeah. Jesus Christ. How old do you think they look? She looks older. I thought so, too. But, but I think both they both look older look than 45. meth dehydrated. He has... He looks like a Confederate war <laughs> private who's been in the mud and horse crap and has got infected with some sort of hepatitis <laughs> and is slowly dying oh my God. from the disease. It's, I mean, he... I, you could put him in his 40s, but a long-term drug addict. She looks to be in her 60s. Definitely. In that haggard, angry, i just mad all the time. Like somebody I know, like you. I look like that? No, you're just mad all the time. No, she looks very old and haggard. You don't look anything like that. You she, literally just compared me to what she looks like. She look, that's what happens when you're mad all the time. You should stop being mad all the time. Well, maybe you should stop making me mad all the time. I don't. I'm a saint. These are lies, and you're rude. Okay. That was really rude. I was, didn't say you looked like her. You we did. Pl- you actually did. We can play it back. Yeah, we can. Okay. You said she looks like you, basically. No, I said she looks like she's been mad all the time. And I made a like reference. you. Okay, go ahead. He looks like he has a lot of hair for a 45-year-old. Yeah, I have a beautifully bald <laughs> So, and their house looked the size and shape of a shipping container. Well, now that was a Segway. And if anyone else is thinking about building a home on stilts out of a shipping container at the back of a swamp in Dayton, Texas, I've got just a guy for you. But not just those. If you want to build any type of home and office space for your small business, offshore workforce living solutions, I don't really know what an offshore workforce living solution is. <laughs> Tool rooms, firework stands, hunting blinds, a bar to drink in, a bathroom for your pool, outdoor kitchens, a man cave, a she shed, or almost any type of structure, you need to call JR Specialty of Hoffman, Texas first. JR Specialty builds custom intermodal homes from shipping containers. These containers are originally designed to be stacked on cargo ships and take beatings without damaging anything inside. JR Specialty transforms containers into all types of safe and sturdy buildings that are built to last. Easy to relocate and leave behind a smaller footprint with fewer resources being wasted. Not only will you be saving money, you will be saving the environment too. Your affordable shipping container building is just one phone call away. Call 832-457-1082 or go to jrspecialty.com to get them started on building the home, office, hunting lodge, vacation cabin, or storage unit of your dreams. Right. Right away. <laughs> so their house, I believe, was located at 61 PR 4421 in Dayton. And we tried to go there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is the part where you want to say something. Well, yeah. when you say, hey, take me out to take the photographs, it would probably, if you have information that it's a unmaintained county road that is all torn up, and used for mudding and other stuff. Maybe tell someone. Fortunately, we took my car, not yours, but it's still a ninety-something-thousand-dollar Audi, although it's all-wheel drive. What? Oh, okay. People don't like when you talk about money. Okay, it's an expensive car that's about a year old. 
The sticker yeah, was it's all wheel drive. No problem. So we get out there, we're driving down this road. There's a lot of, you know, there's some decent nice houses, but there's also a lot of trailers. I didn't really see very many decent nice houses. Well, you weren't paying attention, or maybe okay. you're just too highfalutin. I saw some nice homes. Highfalutin? Highfalutin. <laughs> Not highfalutin. <laughs> and we get to a sign that says that Liberty County, see, the Liberty County maintenance ends, which means it's no longer maintained by anyone. And then quickly it goes from paved road to shale and dirt and mud because it was about to storm and it just finished storming earlier and we're going and my gps has me go straight and there was a downhill little path that did not look made for cars that it wide off and but your gps said go that way so that we turn around slowly and go down this hill sliding around in the mud we did not slide yes we did and then we get to this bridge the aforementioned bridge we don't know for sure that that was the bridge. We were at a bridge that was 0.25 miles away. Okay. And it didn't and it didn't look safe to drive a four-wheeler across, let alone a car. Oh, now you're exaggerating. And it was after a part where very narrow, every clearly people had been stuck and rutted up to all hell. You were exaggerating. Not at all. There were cars that drove through. A pickup truck, four-wheel drive, lifted okay, up. Okay, well, you're literally saying that a four, four-wheeler four couldn't. It, no, I said it didn't look safe to drive over. It okay. looked like it just fall into the swamp, which is well, not fishing. it wouldn't. Anyhow, <laughs> so there's nowhere for me to stop. And, and I'm like, we can't make it any further. It's about to rain. I'm not getting stuck out here in BFE. And, well, I'm going to go look. Just jump out of the car. I did not jump out of the car. Yeah, go ahead. Did. I'm going to let you keep talking. No, and I said it was a bit inconsiderate and not safe because I can't stay here and I can't go with you and I had to drive it all the way back up to the top and wait. I didn't want to do it. But you, so hell-bent on getting a picture of this home where people were shot in front of. Well, they're... Never mind. Okay. And you're not telling... You haven't told me any of this. I'm just flying blind and we get in a big fight and then you fuss at me the whole way home. Because I wanted to go get pictures of this house. What was the point in going there if we're not going to get pictures of this house? We couldn't get the car safely to the house. Okay, but I could safely walk. Uh, not by yourself in deliverance land. Okay, I had mace, knife, and brass knuckles. Legal in the state of Texas. I had a gun. Right. We'd be fine. I couldn't go with you because there's nowhere to park the car. Oh, my God. Yes, if we're playing paces to park the car. There, were no, there was nowhere except driving all the way back up the hill. Okay. So anyway, we didn't get pictures. And this was so. This is why you're exacerbated. No, exacerb exaggerated. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. You're dumb. But it was dangerous and it was senseless and it did not seem like the type of place you should be walking around by yourself. And you were insistent. You could have went with me, but I didn't. I, I was insistent, but I didn't go to, because you were rude to me. No, you got out and I'll let you go. Then you got back no, in and started fussing. You got out. I got I out. I just said it was inconsiderate. I never said you I got out and you go. said so inconsiderate. Of course, I'm not going to get out then. I don't want to be inconsiderate. Oh my I Lord. thought you were being inconsiderate. And you're being inconsiderate now because let me read what I was going to say about the experience. Oh, joy. We tried to go there, but it was rainy, and the roads are just bumpy little dirt roads through the woods. And we didn't want to get stuck. So I took pictures as close as we got. I think we were 0.3 miles from the house. We were 0.25. Okay. But I wasn't going to air our dirty laundry. And I would have had to drive it up back a hill and walked with you, so we'd have probably been about half a mile each way. Uphill both ways? No. <laughs> through... I mean, it was it was literally. We would have been. There fine. were people squealing. We either would have been fine, or this podcast would blow up because we would be killed 
doing the podcast. I'm not saying we're going to be killed, but we must. I didn't feel it like, would have been a story. I didn't feel like waiting for a wrecker in Dayton, Texas. On hey, wait for it. Well, you don't need a wrecker on Father's Day. Okay, it was your idea to go on Father's Day. You didn't not tell mine. me we were going into the sticks. You didn't. I told tell- you it was Dayton, I'm and I did supposed- tell you that we shouldn't go because it was raining. I told you it was dirt roads and we shouldn't go because it was raining. You did not tell me it was a dirt road. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Oh, my God. You are a liar. And as we're driving and getting close, I was like, hey, by the way, this case is about somebody that got shot out here. Just FYI. I told you that there. You're acting like I didn't tell you anything. You're right. You told me that when we drove 50 minutes today. But I told you we shouldn't go because it was raining. You're like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Because you didn't tell me it was a dirt road. Yes, I did. Buddy. Up against the swamp. I literally Alligators did. swimming around. I saw 10 people. I think I saw seven teeth. <laughs> it was okay. Crystal Methville. Anyway, go ahead. So we don't have pictures of the house. <laughs> but I do have pictures from news articles. From we, we have pictures of the road out there and the, uh, the fire station and some other stuff. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the house, though. Okay. And it's scary. It's a tiny stilt house with a rebel flag flying from the roof. And there was a hand-painted sign that says, Trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be reshot. Smile, I will. Oh, so it was a Yoda reference at the end of it? That's what I was wondering. Like, what does that mean, smile, I will? And also, survivors is spelled with an E-R. <laughs> so he spelled it the Baytown way, yeah. Yeah, for you, those of y'all not from the Houston area... East of Houston is its own little world. The fact that there was a rebel flag flying is not surprising at all. Uh, it really should have. We should have some banjo background. Yeah, I mean, if we had a good uh, producer, we probably would. <laughs> hey, I'm not a producer. If you go look at me at iHeart, I'm talent, not production. The only thing I'm producing is this. Right. That's what I'm saying. Go find your producer. Maybe he'll co-host it for you, too. And then you can have more 911 calls and more banjo music, and people are going, bring, 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 Maybe find someone out in Dayton to do it. You he can are play hilarious. Live, live you, banjo. You know what you should do? What? Quit all of your jobs and do stand up comedy because you are hilarious. If I quit all of my jobs, who would support your no, life? You would cause with your awesome stand up career. You're so funny. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and be quiet. <laughs> We're arguing way too much. Can you sit here and not uh, be rude? Yeah, we are arguing because you keep being rude to me. Okay, sure. Okay, we got to take all this out. Please proceed. (laughs) It's not even funny. Seriously. You're the one laughing. (laughs) Okay, so they weren't laughing, though. They weren't kidding. I'm sorry. I don't want to make light of this. This sounds absolutely horrible. So what happened? So everyone made it to the hospital? The couple had taken... Yes. We already did that part. Okay. The couple had taken turns firing at least one shot each from a 12-gauge shotgun at the vehicles. They took turns? Yes. Apparently, the wife took a shot and then handed it to the husband and he took a shot. Well, I'm real guilty. Jeffro, what's his name again? Gail. I'm real guilty, Gail. Why don't you have a shot at this here shotgun? Get you, you know, she's got that crystal meth voice. I would have Why don't you get you a shot, too? They're on your property. So after the shooting, Sheila jumped on her four-wheeler and circled the Jeep, yelling and flashing her headlights on it. She then called 911 to report that there were people in a jacked-up four-wheel automobile destroying the nearby levees and that she shot them. And Texas does have a castle law that allows... Castle doctrine? We really don't call it that. What do you call it? 
Well, you can protect your property at night, but the castle doctrine is more of a media construct. But go ahead. This is what this is from an article, Castle Law. I don't know. They say law, not doctrine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That allows property owners to shoot if someone is trespassing on their property at night. But none of the victims had been on the Muse property. The road cuts between their house and the levee, and investigators said that the public has access to both. Right. And here's a piece of legal advice for everybody. If you're going to shoot someone and you're relying on a defense to prosecution or an exception to the prohibition of shooting and killing people, you better make damn well sure you're exactly right on being able to do it. Because if not, you're you know, guilty of aggravated assault or murder or whatever happens. What do you mean? Like you make sure that they're on your property and yeah. they're doing something Right. Well, you, you need to make sure, like, in Texas, yeah, you need to make sure it's night and that they're on your property. And even then, I mean, that's the whole thing. People nowadays seem so willing to pull the trigger at other people and didn't think they can justify it. And it's insane. I mean, six and a half years on night shift patrol in one of the most crime-ridden parts, a very nice part. I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed working there. But a red mark, if you look at a crime map of the United States, a deep red mark, you know, a high crime is anywhere else where I work patrol. And me and everyone I worked for on night shift and evening shift, we had ample opportunity to legally and justifiably shoot someone. None of us in six and a half years ever shot anybody. I'm talking guys that robbed stores. Wait, I thought somebody shot somebody and like blamed you. That was a narcotics officer. Oh, okay. They didn't blame me. The witnesses I had nothing to do with it. I was just there to arrest them. It was undercovers. It was UCs. It was a task force thing. I got you. Nothing to do. But I'm the one, after the guy tore the narcotics officer's shoulder almost off and then got shot and then ran away, I'm the one that had to chase the guy on PCP, selling a big bag of Coke down, tackle him, and then handcuff him. It was a bloody mess. Ugh. But that was all the witnesses that came out. And, you know, oh, he's the one. Yeah, no. They took my gun, bagged my hands. That's a big deal. Madeline was a baby. I had an extra job I missed. I needed the cash to go buy her diapers. El Coyote. I'm still mad about that. El Coyote was an extra job? Yeah. It was a Honduran club on Shaver. Memories. (laughs) So the Muse had no sense of boundaries, both literally and figuratively. Because even if they had accidentally come off of the unlit dirt road onto their property, why immediately shoot them? None why, of, why ever shoot a child or a right. children? None of them were armed, and there was no suggestion that they had ever posed a threat to anyone. And according to one neighbor, this wasn't even the first time that they had shot at someone. He said the Muse think they own everything, but they don't. He had filed a complaint in 2004 accusing Gail of firing a shot at him while he was using a tractor to grade the road near the area. The police refused to comment on that complaint, but the neighbor said that nothing was done. And these people, when I was reading this, they remind me of a poor version of the old married couple from Ozark. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, I don't remember their names. Right. The bad guy. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen season. Was it season two? Season three we just three, watched. Yeah. Great. But the ones with money, with the land, with the, the opium. Yeah. They just think they can just shoot anybody or do whatever they want. The rules don't apply. Well, really, it's the wife that's the evil yeah. one. Well, it seems like in this case, too. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I, I didn't care for Ozark first season. Second, third season, great show. I just right. saw today on Netflix announced fourth and final season. I know. I wonder why they're ending it. I wonder if no. they just figure it's running its course. Or... No. Sometimes it's best when they do that. But I'm not sure about Sheila. Gail had two prior convictions for drunk driving. 
And police had been sent to the home at least 15 times in the last six years before the shooting. With no arrests? No. Any other shootings? They didn't say. Police wouldn't discuss, but said it was mostly minor things. That sounds to me as if they'd had other incidents with people out there, and the police just didn't do anything. That's what I thought. Right. Although doctors had to leave a pellet in his head, Patrick's condition improved after surgery. Donald Jr., however, wasn't so lucky. And on Saturday, May 9th, he died from his injuries. Oh, my God, one of the kids? Yeah, seven-year-old. That's disgusting. Donald Ray Coffey IV was born September 18, 2001, in Cleveland, Texas. He was the second of three children. He was described as just a little country boy who liked to kick off his shoes. He loved anything outdoors, being on his four-wheelers or the motorcycle with his dad, and doing just about anything his older brother was doing. He was in the first grade at Stephen F. Austin Elementary, where students held a special ceremony on their last day of school on June 4th. His class planted a tree in the school's courtyard in his memory. His teacher, Carolyn St. Pay, said, We are here to dedicate this tree to Donald Coffey. The last time we saw Donald, we were taking care of Tinkerbell, our butterfly. She explained that the class had a project of growing butterflies, but that one of them couldn't fly. The class adopted it as a pet and named it Tinkerbell. The insect would climb on a flowering bush outside of the school, and students would leave water for it to drink. The class planted a pink flowering crepe myrtle tree purchased by the PTO, and each student took turns placing dirt around the base with a shovel. When you bring your first graders to Stephen F. Austin, you can show them the tree that you planted, Ms. St. Pace said to the students about their own future children. She explained that when times got tough in the classroom, or when students needed to unite to accomplish a goal, they rallied together to remember their former classmates. The phrase, let's do it for Donald, became a battle cry for the class. She described Donald as a faithful and continuously joyful child who would always shout out the answers happily during class. We all miss him a lot, and we're never going to forget him. We know he's up there in heaven playing tag with the angels, she said. You're over there crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're all crying. I'm spotty and crying. It's, whole, it's so sad. Firefighters, teachers, and schoolmates packed his funeral. It was so full that people had to stand in the kitchen and the hallway. His family said that his death left a hole that can never be filled, and they decided to cremate him so that his father could continue taking him on the motorcycle rides that he loved so much. His family also made the painful decision to donate his organs so that other children might live. His father said, We could not imagine another family going through this if we could help it. There's no words that exist in the dictionary that can describe what we've been through. And when they left the hospital, they were told that his organs had been used to save three children. Okay, that's really beautiful. He expressed a desire to one day meet those who received the organs. He said, we hope to know their names and talk to them. We can't force it, but we'd like it. And a spokesperson for LifeGift, the organ and tissue agency that handled the coffee case, said that she would help the couples compose a letter to the recipients about meeting. She said that they usually wait for six months because not only the family of the donors, but sometimes the recipients, have emotional challenges, such as feeling guilty for being alive when another is dead. She said usually only children have organs small enough for other children, so many die before one becomes available. Nearly 10,000 children and adults were waiting on transplant lists in Texas at the time, and one in three would die before they had a donor. Wow. So I just wanted to add that to encourage people if you're thinking about it. But it's, it's so awful noble, to imagine uh, having to do it with very, your child. Very, uh, it's unbelievable. 
So I don't know if they ever met the recipients, but I hope they did. Right. And I saw a video not that long ago where a dad got a Build-A-Bear from a recipient that got his uh, son's heart and it had the heartbeat in it. Jesus. I know. It was so sad, but it was so sweet, too. It was just very touching. Made me think of that. Donald Sr. struggled to understand why the shooting had even happened. He knew the muse. In the past, he said he had given four-wheel rides to their youngest son. Wait, what? Yeah. Knew them. So the dad of the kid that was murdered knew the family and had brought the their child on a four-wheel ride with them? Yes. That's how common that it was to go riding on the levees. He had also had several friendly conversations with them, including one with Sheila and her oldest son, two hours before the shooting. Wait, that night? Yes. Like, makes no sense. And during his unimaginable grief, his thoughts turned to the Muse children. They attended the same school district as his two surviving children. He checked in on the boys' welfare and learned that they were at their grandmother's home in another town. He said, I didn't want anybody to bother them or pick on them. They're not responsible for this. So he checked on their children? Yes, after she killed his child, or they killed his child. Wow. Dayton Superintendent Greg Heyman was surprised by the coffee's concern and called it an amazing expression of love in the face of insurmountable loss. It just shows you there's a real dividing line between good people and bad people in this world. Very true. The Muse charges were upgraded to murder. And in April of 2011, Sheila was the first to be tried. Liberty County Prosecutor Joe Warren showed jurors the warning sign posted in front of the house. Which posting a sign like that in front of your house may make you feel cool. But if you actually shoot someone and go to trial, I would imagine that that's not a good look. Yeah, I I imagine it, it was probably pretty effective, both on guilt and innocence and punishment. And they also heard four phone calls Sheila made to 911 and two recorded statements that she gave to authorities. And in all of them, she admitted firing at the Jeep. Wait, four 911 calls? Yes. And two recorded statements? Yes. All six, she says, I did it? Yes. But I haven't heard any of them because I don't think the 911 calls were ever released and neither were the recordings. That's uh. But if I had them, I'd play them because people want to hear them. Last time you said, why are you playing that? And people were like, we like hearing it. It's just because it was horrible. Yeah, they usually are. But it still... It doesn't sound like these would be horrible. It sounds like this would be some evil, methed up woman trying to justify killing or shooting a child. Right. Because that's meth talking. So after five hours of deliberation, jurors found her... What do you think? Guilty. Yes. Guilty of felony murder. The coffees heaved a sigh of relief and tears welled into their eyes. Sheila was silent and stared down at her hands when the verdict was read. But after most left the courtroom, she burst into tears. Her niece addressed the media and said that her aunt is a kind woman who was diagnosed as bipolar in 1998, but doesn't use that as an excuse for what happened. She's just mentioning it as an aside. Why would she trot it out? (laughs) First of all. Bipolarism means that you are sometimes very kind and sometimes very, very evil, and you swing back and forth like a pendulum. Right. You'd think you'd, you would lo- use that in your defense. Right. But <laughs> why? I mean, if you're not trying to use it to get sympathy, why, why trot you, it out? You're just calling her kind but crazy? Yeah, that's awful. awful. What an awful. Ugh. So the punishment phase of the trial started the next day. 
April 15, 2011. Although Sheila didn't testify in the trial, she did during the penalty phase, where she denied ever shooting the gun and said she didn't know who did. Wait, so she didn't <laughs> deny it then? She but didn't then, testify during the trial, but in the penalty phase, she in, denies it. In the it. penalty phase, which we've got a bifurcated trial system here, and the penalty phase is where they assess punishment. You can offer the judge or the jury. They probably opted jury, jury. as most people yeah. do. And on felony cases, on, on misdemeanors, sometimes you'll, a lot of times you'll go with the judge. But she denied any culpability? Yes. Why not do that during guilt innocence? Right. And does perjury apply? Right. But if you're been found guilty of murder, they're well, not going to go wondering. through perjury. Okay. I mean, they could, but what's the point? She said there's no excuse. There's no reason why it should have happened. And when prosecutors asked what she felt about Donald Jr.'s death, she replied, I have no idea why it even happened. I'm not sure why it happened. They didn't deserve that at all. So lying instead of remorse? Probably not the best strategy. Jurors could sentence her to five years to life. What do you think they chose? That's a woman. People usually don't. I mean, if you look on aggregate, they receive lesser sentences than men. Uh, 30 years? Life. Well, that's a good job. Good job, Joe Warren. Exactly. I wonder, do you know who that is? I do not know him, but I, there's an interesting aside. Okay. I remember Joe, maybe like 10 years ago, he got arrested when he was still, I don't know what he does now. Oh, snap. But when he was still a prosecutor. We're calling him out? <laughs> well, I mean, he did a good job, but I'm just saying he got arrested for a bunch of weird stuff. Are you serious? Uh, not like creepy stuff, but. It was like witness tampering and deadly conduct and threats. And I don't know what is happened he, does on he the live case. in Dayton, too? <laughs> it's just wilding out in Dayton. But here, oh, I just found an article real quick. Okay, go for it. I knew I, when you said the name, it was <laughs> nagging at me. So uh, the arrest report, his boxer breed dog was attacked and killed by his neighbor's two pit bulls. Well, now I'm not, Okay, yeah, I'd be yeah, mad, too. That dug a hole under a fence to gain access <gasps> to his yard. And killed his dog. Yeah. And boxers are usually nice. Warren then threatened to kill the dog in order to keep his dog safe. Why was he even arrested? See, that's, you see the headline and you think about, oh, I know, you know, I've heard of that guy. And then you forget yeah. about it. And now you read it. Well, good for him. If they killed my dog? Right. And they got into his yard? I'd take it all back. I should have read the whole thing. Someone gets under your fence. Somebody you had raises pit bulls, gets under your fence, and you have some precious dog of yours, and it mauls them to death. Don't you want to kill those dogs? Yeah, I want to shoot somebody. Well, I'm saying if he was him, like you, did the neighbors like even do anything? Did they even replace the dog or? I don't know. I bet I bet those charges didn't go anywhere. That's why I can't believe I I. We shouldn't even be calling him out for that. No, we should be applauding him. So two rounds of applause <laughs> for Joe Warren. Wait, so what did he do? He just threatened to kill those dogs. I think he got arrested. He, I, I think he probably lost his cool because he was upset about his. I couldn't imagine. If a dog molds your dog to death, oh my god, I would have to keep weapons away from you. I can't even. I don't even talk like that. All right, go ahead. Gay. Two rounds of applause for <laughs> Joe Warren. I just knew he'd been arrested. It's weird for a DA to get arrested. So you remembered it because of that, but yeah. then didn't remember the well, story. I mean, I hear horrible stories all the time, so I just uh, go on. Okay. But I'm glad we vindicated him. Yeah, and so validated is he still him. A, or we don't know. I don't know. 
Okay, so afterwards, many members of the jury were in tears and hugged the Coffey family on the way out of the courtroom. Donald Coffey Sr. thanked the jurors and everyone who was part of the investigation for their hard work. His wife, Becky, said that she did not expect a sentence of life in prison, but was glad with the decision. That night, people gathered in the neighborhood where the shooting happened to celebrate Sheila's sentencing. Wait, what? Yeah, they had like a celebration. Like a hoedown? It sounds like. What's wrong? What's wrong with these people out there? Well, I think they were glad that she got a life. Yeah, sentence, but you don't but... go to the you don't go to the murder site. Yeah, it seems a little creepy. And have a party. I'm not sure how many people went to the party, or what happened, but apparently there was some sort of a disturbance or an altercation that scared a 15 year old runaway named Charlie Gore. She left the party on foot around 1:30 a.m. The next morning, a man who lived about a half mile from where the party was. When he discovered her body in a muddy roadside ditch. Wait, the 15-year-old runaway's dead now? Yes. Captain Rex Evans of the Liberty County Sheriff's Office said that a vehicle had swerved off the road to hit her and never stopped. Intentionally? Evidence at the scene led investigators to believe that it was intentional. And, I mean, Dayton must be like the smallest town in the world because everybody knows everybody. Remember, like, the coffees knew the muse, the fire department chief knew the muse, I mean, knew the coffees. Right. They're probably all related. So Captain Rex Evans knew Charlie. According to him, she was a good girl with a good heart who enjoyed collecting seashells and flowers. Oh, Jesus. And when he looked inside the pockets of her school letter jacket, no, there were crumpled flowers and it broke his heart. He said, we're asking for anyone with information, anyone who was at the party, who saw vehicles at the party, people who may have witnessed the altercation, Anybody who last saw her at the party to contact us. Charlie Ray Gore was born June 12, 1995, to Charles and Candy Gore. She had a brother and two sisters, one of which preceded her in death. She was a sophomore at Dayton High School, where she was loved by all of her teachers and fellow students. She loved animals and taking care of children. She was active in the Girl Scouts and was a good-hearted person who was always willing to help out. She had big, beautiful eyes and a beautiful smile. That's right, another murder. And it was tied to Donald Jr.'s murder in more ways than one. Wow. Tips led investigators to two other partygoers, Michael Lincolnholder and Cindy Nelton. Does that name sound familiar to you? Michael or Cindy? Cindy. Was there a Cindy at the beginning of the story? Yes. One of the passengers? No. It should sound familiar. Because she was the one who was driving the Tahoe. She was one of the people driving one of the other vehicles? Yes. On the night of the shooting. You know, Patrick's wife. Well, they got a divorce, and apparently she started dating Michael. And detectives said that Cindy was a passenger in the car when he ran over Charlie. They were caught removing the license plates from Michael's gray Hyundai Sonata, which had extensive front-end damage. So did they establish a motive why he did it on purpose or what happened that i'm not really sure so he was charged with criminally negligent homicide and she was charged with interfering with a police investigation and making a false report so he was charged with accidentally killing her is that what that means to the point of being criminally negligent that's the mens rea of the culpable mental state okay it doesn't it means he didn't intend to kill her he so it wasn't an intentional act at least they didn't charge him with it the false report is she probably said the car was stolen or made up some other lie and the interference was basically her obstructing the investigation but those are not very big charges i would be surprised 
if she went did any jail time, let alone prison time. Okay. So I never could find out what happened at the party or why anyone would want to hurt Charlie. But I found one site where someone claiming to be her mother said, The mother of the man that killed my child went down to see what he had hit and saw that my baby was laying in the laying dead in the middle of the ditch and none of them called to get any help. So his mom saw her body too? According to this person that posted what on the site. What the hell is going on in Dayton, Texas? Right. She goes on to say, they left her there like roadkill for the county to clean up their mess. It would not have mattered had they stopped and called help for her. He had hit her so freaking hard that it ripped her spinal cord out from the base of her brain. She was killed on impact. And I'm so glad that she did not lay there and suffer. I couldn't find any... That's insane. So he must have been flying down that little bitty dirt road. Right. Blacked out or not paying attention. Because if you're walking down a road, you're just walking. Mm -hmm. He must have been drunk. That's what I think. I couldn't find any articles about the trial, but a site called Justice for Charlie Gore said that although Michael had extensive criminal history including convictions for indecency with a child, assault, family violence, evading arrest, and reckless driving. He had only received five years for failure to stop and render aid. So I think what happened is that he was drunk driving, but you can't test for that after the fact. Right. No, there's no way to establish it. So he got away with it. He probably done a lot more well, time that's why than they, five years. Five years seems insane, but they're both serious offenses they typically would have charged him with failure to stop and render aid and i don't know why that's they what he didn't. got well i know that's what he pled to but remember they okay. charged him with curling eggs of homicide right i don't know why they are you know because it would, it would have been impossible to well i think because it looked like he went off of the road to hit her i don't think she was hit well, in no. the road okay if he went off the road to intentionally hit her that's just straight murder well maybe they think that he didn't mean to like he was driving too fast or something i don't, I don't know, know. But, lost control I guess it's hard to horrible, prove. And I will agree with you. Five years is a slap in the face to the parents of that little girl. And her life is worth more than him doing five years in prison. That's Yeah, I bet he is, didn't even do five. What a horrible story. <laughs> well, thank you. So I don't know if Cindy was convicted of anything or served any time. I couldn't find anything. And I also couldn't find details about Gail Muse. But one article said he entered a plea of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Okay. Regarding destiny and was sentenced to 20 years. That would have been the max on ag assault deadly weapon. It still doesn't seem like enough. No, I mean, he, he murdered a child, but, you know. I guess they assumed that Sheila he, made the shot that killed. Right. And I don't know. But he would have been equally culpable. You have a law of parties. They're both shooting at the crowd. They're both guilty of murder. But I, what I would assume is that she got lit up for life. And it scared and, him. And his attorney was... You know, basically, what can we do? And that was the, and typically in that kind of case, they would have talked to the family and they would have talked to Don Coffey Sr. And he probably agreed to it. It sounds like the man is a saint. I know, right? But the whole thing is this, what a horrible backwoods, backwards, (laughs) just, it's all horrible. People are going to stop listening. (laughs) If you keep depri- I mean, I guess it's true crime. That's I always forget when I sit down and do this podcast that whatever story you tell is going to be a horrible one. But it's important to tell those stories. Okay, I sure. So his projected release date is May seventh of twenty twenty nine. Okay. And the 
site that I saw of hers said that hers is January of 9999, which I guess means she can't get out. But I think that she's eligible for release or for parole in 35 years. Well, I hope those 35 years are awfully unpleasant and she gets her hopes up and then they don't parole her and she's got to live with the horror. I mean, shooting and murdering a little just it's awful. And then showing no remorse for it at all. Yeah, it's just disgusting. When what you is, basically called the police to brag about it, and then you act like, no, I didn't that's do the it. Thing. I don't know meth who did. doesn't just change your appearance drastically. She clearly has meth face. It Are we allowed to your, say that, though? What, what if she, she didn't? Can they sue us? <laughs> She's going to sue us from Sue prison. me, please. No, she has meth face. She but it also like changes it. the chemistry in your head, and you become more prone to violence and unreasonable, irrational behavior. That's just awful. It really is. So that's it. That's the story of Sheila and Gail Muse. And if you like Clouston, please give us a review at Apple. What is it? Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts yeah. um, or anywhere you consume your podcast that allows you to review it. Or I've, subscribe. Why or? And. And subscribe. <laughs> Sorry. And be sure to check out our Instagram. I'm going to post pictures of that, both ones that we took and other relevant pictures from the crime. And that will also be on, if you put them there, on our Facebook group, which is Clouston Podcast, and Twitter at Clouston Podcast, which I'm not real. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't post Engaged. a lot there. Yeah, I'm mainly so, on Instagram. So me, with all the jobs, you're publicly complaining about me not getting stuff on Facebook enough, but you... You can't post stuff on Twitter. I'm no, I do. Out. I'm just saying I'm not as active. I'm, I'm way I'm more just, active on Instagram. I'm, I'm, you, I will literally send you the exact pictures one at a time with the descriptions of them. And all you have to do is copy and paste them. It's very easy. Do you hurt my feelings? Oh, I'm sorry. I did not mean to hurt your feelings. I'm very sensitive. Are, are we done? <laughs> I think we're done unless you want to say anything else. Uh, give her a review. Give her a subscription. It makes her happy. <laughs> Thank y'all. All right. Until next time, mind your peace and clues.